Welcome back, WNBA Nation, to yet another fun episode that we are doing here in this mid-season Olympic break. Uh, my name is Kyle Haywood, and I'm very excited to have Logan Jones on the mic with me tonight. Logan, how's it going? Oh, it's going. It's going. Unless you're, uh, I mean, <laughs> it's going if you're watching the Olympics at three in the morning like I have been. Uh, but then, <laughs> then the, uh, the early morning and afternoon hours, it's not going. It's, it's really thrown my schedule off trying to keep up with everything live. <laughs> The Olympics has been uh, abysmal for certain sleep schedules, you could say. <laughs> so it's been a blast though. We love, we all four of us, like even outside of like our relationship with the WNBA, like the four of us legitimately just absolutely love the Olympics and all the storylines that come with that. So, but tonight, Logan, that's not what we're here about. We are here to discuss some mid season grades. For a few of the teams. Now, uh, those of you who are, are catching this episode for the first time, this is, uh, gonna be part one of a multi-part series where we go through and, and give team grades to each of the teams in the W, um, as, uh, as we see it, uh, at this point in the season. Basically, we've got a, a short template that we're gonna discuss about each team and we're gonna start just alphabetically. As we go through each of these teams. So today's episode is going to include Atlanta, Chicago, and Connecticut, because that's how the alphabet works is by having those teams first. <laughs> Way to blame the alphabet. <laughs> it's just, it's the alphabet. Putting fault. the alphabet on who blast. put the alphabet in that order, by the way. Like uh, who decided, who decided? I don't the know. Phoenicians. The ancients will just say the yeah. ancients did. You're really testing, uh, Things that I learned in college. <laughs> Logan's, you're the, yeah, you're the, you're the smith of the, of the hosts here. We do want to give a very special shout out before we, before we get into our team grades today though. Uh, we've got a new five star review, Logan. Five star reviews. This comes from a very, very good friend of the show and one of our, our Twitch fam. Uh, this is comes from L Rosenberg 101 themselves. Uh, this is titled y'all are dope and it's a five star <laughs> review. Perfect review. And, and, uh, L Rosenberg's hanging out in our Twitch chat while we read this, uh, out loud. So this is, this is a little bit, uh, this is the first time that I know of that we've read a five star review like live. And had the person that wrote it actually, uh, be, be here. So this is kind of cool. Um, it says, always love listening to y'all's episodes and being a part of the Twitch community. Thanks for always putting out great content and for being awesome people. We appreciate that. L Rosenberg, shout out to you and for always being such a great, uh, friend of the show and friend of the program. We, we absolutely love that. If you haven't yet and you have access to Apple podcasts, it literally scroll down. And click five stars. It takes two seconds. Um, if you want to write a review, we'll read it on mic. If you don't want to write a review, just click the five star review and move on with your day. It'll it, like honestly less than two seconds. And you can do that little bit can help our show and other podcasts in the WNBA and basketball realm 
to work their way up the podcast charts, get charts and get a little bit more uh, exposure and hopefully spread the good news about how incredible the WNBA is. So with that in mind, Logan, let's hop right in to our team grades. And I'm kind of excited that we're starting with this team. Let's hop right in to the Atlanta dream. Is that because right. you like pain? Or- it's because <laughs> I, I like, I mean, if there was a team that had, that has had the most news surrounding them prior to the Olympic break and through the Olympic break so far, it's Atlanta. And who knows by the time this episode comes out, maybe there's more that that'll drop. But currently the Atlanta dream sit in 11th place in the standings with a record of six and 13, including a four game losing streak heading into the break. Now, Logan, as far as your preseason expectations for Atlanta go, are, does the current iteration of the Atlanta dream, are they doing better or worse than you expected? <laughs> They're doing exactly what I expected, which is nothing. Um, okay. It's just not good. This is usually your take for Indiana. So I'm interested. Yeah. Let's, let's hear it. Well, that's Indiana at least doesn't sucker you into having a little bit of hope. Um, the, <laughs> the dream, I, I felt like maybe had some positive things going for him, but ultimately I didn't have them in the playoffs. Uh, I don't remember what order I had them in, but this is, this is pretty par for the course for the dream. And somehow I still feel like it's been disappointing just because a lot of the news that has come out lately about what's going on with the team hasn't been very fun. Um, in fact, even on, on the fun versus expectations matrix, like they did not have high <laughs> expectations and they're still not really having a lot of fun out there. So there's, there's some things we're going to talk about. Courtney Williams is a freaking baller. I love seeing her at the all-star game. She's having a very good season. But aside from that, if you're a dream fan, you're kind of taking the season in the teeth right now. It's not been a good time. As of late, you mentioned the four game losing streak. They've actually, they've won two games since June 1st. So it's, it's been a rocky. I mean, the Indiana Fever have more wins in that, <laughs> that time span <laughs> than the dream do. So that's about where they're at. Uh, they're a bottom tier team. They're, they're suffering right now. I'll say that, uh, right now, as it stands, Atlanta is right about where I expected them in my preseason predictions. I don't remember exactly where I had them, but I know I had them probably like 10 or 11. And that's because, you know, I, I, I feel like they didn't have a great offseason and this, that was, pr- I think, uh, after Coach Collin decided to leave. So in addition to uh, Coach Collin being gone, they again have another new head coach. Uh, they've had another head coaching change. And so there's a lot of uh, flares, like warning flares surrounding Atlanta. There's been some locker room drama. I know every team uh, has some locker room heat. There's not, there's never a team that is like perfect in the locker room. Um, if you've been a part of a team sport, that's just how it goes. There's, there's always some heat. This one in particular went very public. This one's been uh, a little bit more rough surrounding Kennedy Carter and, uh, and, and other members of the team. So I'm not sure exactly how that's going to play out moving forward. Um, losing a head coach over the break, losing, you know, potentially losing Kennedy Carter. It's going to be, it's going to be maybe a bit of a rough go for Atlanta. So, um, they started off better and right now seem to be in a downward spiral. So that's kind of where I'm, I'm sitting with the Atlanta dream. Let's do take a look at their, at their schedule so far, Logan. I want to take a look at 
at their performance. What would you say was their best game that they've had so far this season? Well, Kyle, you have to go a ways back, but I think at New York on May 29th, uh, start of the season, they beat the Liberty 90 to 87 in overtime. That kind of signaled mm. the end of, remember the Liberty were five and one at that point. They were the biggest surprise of the season. Looked like they were going to be red hot and, and a dominant force in the season. Obviously it was very early, but Atlanta got them. Uh, and then they went on a little bit of a little mini losing streak and, and now they're kind of the 500. Yeah. You know, we're not talking about the Liberty today, but they're, they, you know, it was the dream that kind of brought them back down to earth. And I thought that was a really gutsy win considering how the Liberty were playing at the time. Uh, yeah. in that game, that was also the, the best single performance Courtney Williams has had in the year. She had 31 points, 12 rebounds, seven assists. 31, 12, and 7 is a heck of a game. That's a phenomenal game, yeah. So I'm really glad she showed out against an opponent that was playing well and that they were able to pull out a win like that early in the season. It just didn't really, it didn't lead to anything. That, that momentum quickly died and that, that's the last real spark of anything we've seen from this team mm. in some time. So I think that's the best win of the season, the best game individually for one of their performers, but it's kind of, been a vacuum since then. I was looking at at either that game because I think that was kind of their peak, right? I think they were what four and two at that time that they got that W over over New York. So they were looking really strong and and kind of the surprise team. I do think there was maybe one other best performance, but it was slated right in the middle of a whole bunch of L's. They had a great showing against Washington. June 13th, they had a, a strong showing against Washington, beating the Mystics by 23. Um, holding Tina Charles to five of 17 shooting. They went out, they had five players in double figures, uh, really, really strong, strong game, uh, kind of across the board. I, I would say that was probably their best, maybe their best individual game, but it wasn't the high point of the season, which I would probably give to where exactly where you put them. Um, but let's, let's kind of go to the other side of the coin here, Logan. What was the worst performance? I'm not going to say, I mean, any of their losses to Seattle. Like, it's just like, well, that's going to happen. They're a better team. Maybe the following loss to the Mystics after the win that you mentioned where they went out and, and really, like, actually played some pretty decent defense. And after a four-game losing skid, uh, they were, they were let's see, four and six. And then five and six when they got that win. They could have got back to 500 mm. uh, playing against the Mystics just a couple days later. They lost by three. And that that sent them down another road where they lost just barely to Minnesota and then they lost to New York by a lot. And they just like it could have been a turning point in their season where they stayed in the playoff hunt. They stayed around 500. And instead of capitalizing on that win, they went and they lost at Washington um, really, really close. And so that it's it wasn't their worst performance of the year. It wasn't the the game where they looked like the least talented team like they've looked like all year. It was just the one that I think did the most damage to what they wanted to accomplish this season. And then that's about when we started hearing coaching and Kennedy Carter drama and what's going on in the locker room. And it feels like that might've been the, like the mental break for this team, Mm. um, which we know, like maybe they would have had some of the same problems regardless, but winning counteracts a, a lot of locker room issues. And it seemed like that little losing stretch uh, where they lost like seven of eight games. I mean, that kind of foiled their season. They realized they weren't going to make the playoffs. Things started kind of, you know, fraying and and they really haven't looked the same since then. And then they played a really tough schedule down the stretch where they kept losing. It doesn't feel like it's going to get a lot better for them. (laughs) Yeah. 
So, you know, maybe we see more Ari McDonald in the second half and, you know, a new coach comes in and changes some of the culture stuff around. But I think that loss signaled kind of an ominous series of events that came after. No, I, I think I think that's a, a pretty strong case. I also would highlight that Indiana loss at the very end, uh, right before the break, their most recent game, I think is uh, that's a rough spot. If you lose to the last place fever by double digits at home, that's a that's a tough pill to swallow for me. So uh, unfortunately for me, it's got to be their most recent game. It's just just not not good. I do. Uh, I, I, I am curious. Logan, we've there's been a lot going on. We talked personnel. There's been a lot going on personnel-wise for Atlanta. So I'm curious for you, who is just a player that you want to highlight? Let's hear it. Courtney Williams. <laughs> that's that's who I want to highlight. And I'll I'll leave. Uh, there's some other players here that I, I think I know who you're going to pick. Um, and so I'll I'll lay off of that one. But Courtney Williams has been freaking good. For, for a player that is not on a team that is winning very much. I mean, that's it's a really thankless role to play to be the best player on like the 11th seed team in the league. Mm. But she deserved to make the All-Star game. She was one of the two or three best players in the All-Star game. She made it very fun. Uh, we were there. I was impressed. It was one of those types of performances that even though it was an exhibition, it made me want to keep an eye on her the rest of the season. But I find myself wanting her to do it elsewhere. And I'm... I'm not that guy, right? Like everybody talks every year about wanting Damian Lillard to leave Portland and every year I'm like, no, like stop. Like I like it's it's okay for for players to be on teams and want to build like build where they're at. Like I'm prefacing that with the Lillard thing by saying like I'm usually not someone who's like if you're talented you should go to like one of three teams that I actually care about because I think that's lazy sports reporting most of the time. Right. But Atlanta's kind of a hot mess right now and I don't know <laughs> If they have what it needs, like, I don't think they're going to build around Williams in the, like into the future. I think hopefully Ari McDonald is part of what they want to do over the next two or three seasons. And they're going to kind of go from there, but maybe they should look into cashing in Williams for some assets right now when her stock is high. And maybe we can get Williams onto a contender this year or next year where we get to actually see her in the postseason doing some damage. I like that pick. I'm going to go with Crystal Bradford. For a few reasons. First of all, we haven't seen Crystal in the league since 2015 when she was a member of the Sparks, but she's been a part of this Atlanta squad for all 19 games this season, and she's averaging 8.7 points per game, shooting 45% from the field and 40% from behind the arc. She's doing some really, really solid things, and despite the fact that Atlanta has been in a downward spiral, Bradford seems to be the one player who's really stepping it up more and more, even as these last couple games have been going on. If you take a look at her last four games, she's been in double-digit scoring four out of those five games and and has had some really strong performances in those. So I, I would look to her to continue to continue that upward trajectory and hopefully be able to help this Atlanta dream squad, get back, get back on, on track with uh, maybe a new coaching situation, maybe some uh, different player rotations or, pre- or personnel changes. Atlanta just recently signed Candace Dupree. So uh, maybe some veteran leadership there uh, in the locker room could be exactly what, what Atlanta needs. So 
That's the player I want to highlight. Logan, let's wrap up our discussion of the Atlanta Dream here. I want you to give them a final grade. Well, no, it's a mid-semester grade. All right, it's a <laughs> mid-season grade. This isn't their final grade. They have a chance to bring it up. I don't know how much extra credit they're going to have to do, but where, what grade would you give them at this point uh, in the season? Well, I mean, it's only the mid-semester grade, so there's some... There's some points still on the table. They can they can get back up to maybe a pass by the end of the year. But right now, like I'm gonna be that professor. Like they're they're failing this season. They're giving an F. I'm giving them an okay. F. Okay. Okay. It's bad. It's it is it it's not looking good. It's not looking good. If they had the same record they have now, if they were six and thirteen, but were having a ton of fun and it looked like they were moving in the right direction as as a organization, like, oh, next year's gonna be so fun and we've got some things in the works, it would I would I'd be willing to give them a little benefit of a doubt because of like that hope, that momentum. Mm. But they just went into the Olympic break with a loss to Indiana and their locker room is fractured. Double digit loss to Indiana, don't forget. Yeah. Locker room <laughs> is fractured. Kennedy Carter may as well get rid of her and add by subtracting and get McDonald out there more. It's an F. I'm giving him an F. Okay. All right. I think I'm going to join you on that one. There's very few teams that I would give an F, maybe only one other contender for an, an, an F grade at this point. I'm with you. At this point, it, they're failing. They are not passing this class. So, uh, we need to have a real sit down and, and, and discuss with them what, what the future of, of their organization is going to look like moving forward. So there you have it. We both fail the Atlanta dream at this point in the season. I love that we jump on. We're like, Hey guys, we're going to do some mid season team grades. Let's start with Atlanta socks. And we just <laughs> destroy them. <laughs> wow. Hey, remember when Atlanta was the two seed, like three years ago, uh, this seems as good a time <laughs> to, to remind everyone that like, I'm not rooting against Atlanta. I, yeah. I'm giving them an F and I'm mad at them because I want them to get better. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Logan, let's go ahead and move forward into our second team of the day. And that would be the Chicago Sky. Nice. Now, Chicago is currently sitting in fifth place in the league standings with a record of 10 and 10. They are the only team in the league that is a perfect 500 record. Chicago. Better or worse than you expected? Uh, they're doing worse than I expected, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're having a bad season either. Uh, we just had high expectations for them. Candace Parker joined in the offseason. We all thought they were going to be a top three team, a lock, like a lock for a top three team. And, uh, cause we were all like leaving there to be some room. We were like, Oh, maybe Vegas, maybe Seattle, but like Chicago's got, you know, contender championship aspirations. And here they are in fifth place. They're not out of the running. They're, they're not like not competing, but I don't think anybody can say like, Oh, they're doing like better than I expected when you've got a big fat seven game losing streak kind of glaring at you right mm. at the start of their season. And then they lost a couple down the stretch too, right before the break. So they, you know, we'll get into specific wins and losses here in a minute, but their last game before the Olympic break really sours a 10 and 10 start. I still think right. they're so good. And I still think in the playoffs, they're going to be a tough out. No one's going to want to play them. Candace Parker is going to have like a signature moment, I bet. But like, you know, right now they're just kind of hanging like they're doing just enough that make you think they're a good team. But if if they didn't have the, the star power and the name recognition, I think we'd all just think they were 
pretty mediocre. Yeah, no, I think I think right now I'm I'm slightly unimpressed with Chicago. I'm I'm with you on that. I think that uh obviously they started out the season, you know, had a bunch of losses. Candace Parker comes back. They find some footing, but yeah, just like you said, they won three of they lost three of their last four heading into the break, and that doesn't look good as far as you know wanting to get in and and have a good showing as you head into this portion of the season. So yeah, I, I would say they're slightly below my expectations. I wasn't overly hyped. I didn't I didn't uh, try to inhale the Chicago hype too strong this offseason. I thought that there were some other offseason moves that deserved probably just as much attention as Candace Parker's, but but yeah, it was if everybody's saying they're a title contender and they don't look like it quite yet, I, I think they could. This is a team I've got some faith in that second half's probably gonna be stronger than their first half. Absolutely, yeah. So but right now slightly slightly below my expectations. Now Logan, let's take a look at the schedule more specifically. What was their best game? I'm going to take the second win against Connecticut. They won back-to-back games against Connecticut in a 3-day span. That seemed to really solidify their return to being a team worth talking about. They they did correct uh they they lost 7 in a row and then they won a couple games against Atlanta and they beat Minnesota pretty handily. So it wasn't like their first time winning after a long drought, but they got Parker back and they got some other injuries taken care of. And they started looking like themselves. Vandersloot started looking like the best point guard on the planet. Parker started going off. It, it felt like things were coming together with copper and their, their depth pieces. So the 91 to 81 win over Connecticut really made me feel like, okay, this is a team that we've doubted for a lot of the season because they haven't looked like what we wanted them to, but Connecticut's been the hottest team in the league and they just handed them two losses. Mm. So that, to me, that says like, all right, when it gets time to perform in the playoffs, which we're a battle-tested group, everyone on the roster has seen some playoff actions, so you can trust us there. Like, even if we're going up against the Vegases, the Connecticut's, maybe even the Seattle's, like, we're gonna have something to say about it. We haven't seen the Chicago Sky play Seattle yet. So that's that's kind of a... Oh, or Vegas, actually. Yeah. That's very interesting. So they haven't played the, like, two, the other two teams that are kind of running the league. And that's going to tell us a lot, but they could have easily taken their frustrations out on Dallas, New York, Indiana, but still dropped one of those Connecticut games, the way they were playing in the first half of the season. And instead they were able to collect a couple, get some confidence and feel like if we match up against them in a, in a series, we know we have what it takes to, to run with them. So I think that was a significant win. I'm interested to see where you go here because they're, they, they have a very peculiar first half schedule. They do. I think they beat pretty much most of the teams that they, you know, they, they beat a, a few teams that, that look really good, like Connecticut, like Minnesota. And then they had some losses to some teams that have me scratching my head. I, I honestly was thinking the same game as you, that second win against uh, Connecticut in three days uh, on, on June 19th. That was a big one. I felt like that one was like, a, oh, okay. Like, yeah, it was, it was a fifth win in a row. Candace Parker coming back. It was against a contender uh, in Connecticut. Everything that you said, that was probably my, my best game as well. That's also the game. They were two and seven. That's the game that got them back to 500. I do want to know your worst performance because I've got one pegged here, but there's a few to pick from. Yeah. They actually have quite a few bad games. Like you, you could have gone several really good games and there's a few really bad ones as well. But I'm curious, Logan, what your thoughts are as far as their worst performance of the season. I'm going to go with the one that I think has the most impact 
on what's coming next. So all, all those games on the losing streak early in the season, even though they lost three to a really bad Sparks team, uh, I'm going to overlook those. And I'm going to actually pick just their July 10th loss in overtime to the Mystics. Mm. Just because we, we both watched that game and it was an, it was a winnable game and they had got, they had got Parker back and they were back to their winning ways. And it felt like the sort of game that's like, all right, Chicago, like if you're really this guy now that we expected at the beginning of the season, this is the sort of game that you pull out because the Mystics don't have what you have on the floor. And instead, the, the Mystics forced the issue and pushed it to overtime, ended up winning by four, and the Sky go into the break at 500 at an even 10 and 10. I think that's a bad loss. Not because the Mystics are the worst team they've lost to all year, but because they should know better by now. And it, it felt like <laughs> early in the season, the Sky had things to figure out, but I, I felt like doubt is now creeping into my mind still over whether the Sky team is going to crawl into like by week territory or if they're going to have to play single elimination playoff games. And if they do, are they going to have to play them against tough? Like what if they play a single elimination game against Washington or Dallas or a team mm. that on any given night, you know, can strike and, and, you know, derail like what's happened in the last year or two derail their postseason hopes that they, everybody in Chicago is thinking championship right now, but the reality is they're 10 and 10 and they couldn't pull out a close game against an inferior team. I got to go with June 5th. Chicago lost by five to an LA Sparks team for the third loss. It, uh, like they went 0 and 3 yeah. against, against the Sparks. Yeah, that's really bad. That's, that's <laughs> like the Sparks are sitting, they're tied. Their, their record is tied with the Atlanta dream that we just talked about, right? They're, they're six and 13. Half of LA's wins have come against Chicago. That's, that's not good. That's, that's really not good. Now I, I know Candace was hurt. I know she wasn't there. I'm saying it was their worst performance, not just because it was their third loss against LA, but because if you go back four games, they had a loss by three, a loss by one, a loss by three, and then a loss by five. You're losing close games against L.A. and Phoenix, which are both very beatable teams, even without Candace Parker. You should probably be beating Los Angeles and probably be at least splitting a series with the, the current iteration of yeah. the Phoenix Mercury. And it was just rough to see them go just... Just that losing streak was New York, Atlanta, L.A., L.A., Phoenix, Phoenix, L.A. And you know what? Spoiler alert. Not a single one of those teams has a winning record. Oof. That's a bad stretch of games for Chicago. So Candace Parker or not, you have, you got the star power that people consider you a contender year in and year out. You don't you, you can't have a stretch like that. So that's where I think the low point of the season came. Um, Logan, who's your player highlight for Chicago? Uh, I, <laughs> I didn't know I was going to go this way until right now, but where's my Kalia Copper fans at in the, in the Twitch chat? Yes. I want to talk about Kalia Copper a little bit. I, I'm so glad you went with Kalia because if you weren't, I was definitely going to go with Kalia Yeah, because everyone on the sea, like, I love Allie Quigley to death and, and like Courtney Vandersloot, Candace Parker, you've got just these, like these pieces that are just like, you know, big names in the league. They've done, they've done everything there is to do. And then you've got Kalia Copper. Who's the, like, I think should be the centerpiece of, of this guy's future plans. I don't know if they have the, the, 
willpower to do that because at some point the window is going to close on this current iteration of the team and they're going to have to decide, are we going to split up Allie and Vandersloot? Are we going to see how much Candace Parker has in the tank? Like who are we going to pay and who are we going to let go? And in my opinion, I think you pay the young talent and she is an all-star talent. And I think she could probably shoulder a lot of the load for this team in the future. And maybe is the key to this team's success now, which is wild to say with all those other stars on the team. But it seems like Chicago's at their best when they're playing like eight deep and everybody in the rotation is contributing. And when they rely on the starting five and then there's just nothing defensively and there's nothing off the bench, they lose to bad teams. So Mm. she's kind of the X factor on that team right now. And she's been playing better as of late and they've been winning as of late. So copper pod. Uh, (laughs) We, I, if you weren't going to say, uh, Kalia freaking copper. I was going to say Kalia freaking copper. <laughs> I, I really, really want a Kalia freaking copy shirt, freaking copper shirt. Just so everybody knows I'm going to go with, and this is, this is a player that I feel like this season hasn't been talked about as much as in seasons past. Um, a little bit of overshadowing. However, I think that Courtney Vandersloot is having a really, really strong season. She's leading the league in assists, but that's par for the course. She's also leading the league in steals per game. So she's leading the league in two categories while also chipping in nearly 12 points per game. I, I think she's having a, a fantastic season. It's, it's, it's not one of those like, this feels like a cheapened one because everybody's like, yeah, we already know Courtney Vandersloot, but I just feel like she's kind of been lost. In this season, nobody, I feel like I've heard her name hardly at all this entire season, and yet she's playing some fin- fantastic basketball. This happens to a lot of players that have, are just like consistently like a standard deviation above the norm. Like everyone mm-hmm. just is like, oh, that's that's what Bree Stewart just does every night. That's what Vander yeah. like Vandersloot just gets 10 assists every night. I feel like Bree Stewart and Asia Wilson are, have also had a little bit of yeah. that this season. You yeah. don't hear about those two players and they're like two MVPs and you're just not hearing about them as much this season. Um, it's, it's, it seems like we, we really try hard to go after the, the hot take or the new up and cover, which is great. That is the story, but. Your Courtney Vandersloots, your Asia Wilsons, your your Bree Stewarts—they're still putting up fantastic numbers. Yeah, just because they're not the storyline doesn't mean that they've dropped in production necessarily. So that's my that's my quick uh, player shout out there. There's there's probably two or three others you could have picked from Chicago, but I, I figure yeah. she's leading the league in two statistical categories. That's got to deserve some sort of short shout out. There's there's a good there's a good point being made in the Twitch chat about Diamond to Shields not coming up in this discussion and being a pretty also a pretty strong X factor where yeah. if, if she plays like an all-star they're they're an impossible team to beat. She is part of that list of names where you're just like, wow, they just have so many players. But if she disappears, they get real mortal really quick. Yeah. I, I would say the shields has had uh she's had a, a decent season. You know, the, the, the crazy thing about Chicago is they've got five players averaging 11 to 13 points per game. Like that's, that's their top five players are all 11 and a half, 12, 13 and a half points per game. Like that's just where that's the range. They all score that. And so, yeah, DeShields is, yeah, DeShields is, is a fantastic player as well. And, and arguably the coolest person I can physically think of. <laughs> <laughs> Logan, let's, let's finish this off. What's your mid season grade for, uh, for Chicago? 
I'm going to try to take my preseason expectations out of it and just look at what they've done, which is be perfectly average, which means I'm giving them a C. Okay. I'm going to go a little bit above that. I'm actually going to give them a B minus. Um, I think that they, uh, I think that they had a rough patch, but their work recently leads me to believe that they're, they're, they're going to turn this thing around. And, um, I think that they're they're approaching. I think by the end of the season they could be they could be doing some B plus work. I've, I'll yet to determine if they're an A team, but I think uh, I think at this point turning around a really really rough start brings them up to a B minus in my book. Yeah, that's I agree with what Jason just put in the chat, which is well he said B minus. I think I want to give them a C, but then I want to call Chicago into my office and say I know you're capable of A work, and I'm extremely mm. disappointed that. That's not what we're seeing from you so far. <laughs> that's good. That's a great take. That, that's that's pretty much right about where I'm at as well. So yeah, we're seeing C plus, B minus, C plus, kind of through, which is about where you and I were. C to C and and B minus as far as our grades on Chicago. Nobody's gonna give them an F, but nobody's like, oh, A, they're doing great. Like, yeah, everybody knows what an A would look like, and they haven't had that season. They're yet. right in the middle of that bell curve. Yeah, they're right in the middle of the bell curve. <laughs> Good chat on Chicago. Let's wrap. Uh, let's wrap this episode up with discussing the Connecticut Sun and the disrespect uh, that follows Connecticut. <laughs> I can't believe Kyle's even willing to talk about Connecticut. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I hope people people really need to come on to Twitch. Because if all they hear is just the uh, just our episode recordings, they're gonna think that I hate on Connecticut as if I didn't wear a Connecticut hat like last episode. <laughs> Connecticut is currently sitting in third place with a record of fourteen and six. They're only a game and a half out of first place, so a pretty strong start to the season in this first half of the season. Slightly over halfway, Logan, Connecticut, better or worse than you had them at the beginning of the season. They're doing better. Um, and, and by the way, record wise, not a ton better. Uh, but the, the way it's felt is it's felt like they have mm. been the defining team of the season so far because Asia Wilson and, and the aces and Bree Stewart and the storm are kind of doing what we expected. Connecticut's the riser. They're the ones that I think a lot of uh, you had them pretty high. You had them at like two yeah. or three. Uh, I had Connecticut three, maybe four. I, I think I had them at five. I, you know, I know who my top mm-hmm. three was, and then I think I had Minnesota at four. So, like, they're they're doing better than I thought, and they're doing it in a way that makes me think, you know, like, or at least hope, like, oh, man, like, John Quill Jones, she's she's always been great, but she's really merged this year as being the type of player that can elevate a team through a playoff series. Everything about this year, for me, relies on how they, how they perform in the playoffs. Because mm. we've seen plenty of Connecticut Sun years that started slow and then ended with deep playoff runs, but short of the championship and, you know, started off hot and ended up with deep runs in the playoffs, but short of a championship. And it just kind of feels like if they don't get to the finals and win, no matter how well they do in the regular season, it doesn't feel great. Like you're, if, if you're a sun fan and you know, your windows been open and you know, you've got the coach, you've got the players you need to make a run. You just haven't put it all together. You're having a very fun season right now, but you're also really aware that you're struggling against Chicago. You're struggling against Seattle. You haven't really seen. Oh, yeah, you've got a win against Vegas. And we'll talk about that in a minute. You got another game against Vegas coming up in August where you get to test your your might against them. But I 
I think if I was a Sun fan, I'd be like, hey, we're awesome this season, and I, I love this team, and I think we have what it takes. But the record against the top, the like the, the cream of the crop in the league is not very good. Mm. So, like, I'll, I don't know what grade I'll give them today. Probably something really good. Probably an A. But it kind of, <laughs> but it kind of feels like if they don't do it in the postseason, retroactively, it's just going to be like, well, then who cares? Right. So, I, I'm interested in your take on this. I think there, I, actually, I, I went back and, and reflected. I think I actually had Connecticut down at six because Alyssa Thomas was going to be out. And I knew that there oh. was potentially some Olympic, um, you know, dedications to some of their other players like John Quill Jones. Maybe Jason, maybe Jason had him higher. I think Jason, maybe Jason or, or Steve may have had him higher, but I think I had him down about six. So they've actually surpassed my expectations. Um, I, I looked at Connecticut and thought they're losing Alyssa Thomas. Yeah, they're getting John Quayle back, but they're losing Alyssa Thomas, who just seemed to be kind of the engine that made that whole machine go. She seemed to be kind of the, 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 the main element to Connecticut's success for a long time. And I really placed a heavy emphasis on her being gone where other teams like Phoenix added Kia Nurse and Chicago added Candace Parker and, Las Vegas was bringing Liz Cambage back. Like I, I thought there was going to be a, a, I thought there was going to be a lot of, um, a lot of other teams that took steps forward and Connecticut wasn't going to. And yet here we are with Connecticut looking very much like a title contender at this point in the season. So that's kind of where I'm at. They're, they're outperforming my expectations at this point. Logan, what was their best performance for you? I think I got to go with their win against Chicago. Uh, because mm. it was so definitive and it, and, and because of the context. So, uh, earlier in the season, a loss in overtime to Seattle and then a pretty bad loss to Seattle and then back to back losses to Chicago. And by the way, those, those three games all happened within like a week of each other. So they were on a three game losing streak despite being a really good team because they were playing this really tough stretch of their schedule. And then finally they get a Chicago game at home a week later after having some time to rest and, and a game against Dallas where they go out and they hold Chicago under 60 points. They beat them handily by like 16. Dewana Bonner goes off for 23. Um, that was a really good performance. And I think one that they needed mentally to feel like they belong in that group. Like I, I know internally they know how good they can be. But if you got to the Olympic break and you had no wins against top two or three teams in the league, it'd be pretty daunting to feel like, like, all right, this is, is this just going to be another year where, you know, we lose in the semis because that's what we've been and we want to get over that hump and we just can't seem to do it. I think that win over Chicago does a lot. Um, especially just the way it happened, doing it with defense, um, should give them some motivation moving forward. I think it would go a long way. If they were able to snag a win in the second half against, uh, I guess they only play Vegas. They don't play Seattle or Chicago again in the second half. And so we'll have to kind of wait to the playoffs. But if they can finish strong, I mean, the other thing that means is that they have a, a kind of a weaker second half of the schedule and they could seize the number one seed and get a double bye. So that's a lot of conjecture instead of midseason grading. And I apologize, but. The Chicago win was important. If, if they would have gone 0 and 5 against Chicago and Seattle, I would, I would probably not give them as good a grade as I'll give them. I like that, that call out. That was a game that I definitely had my eye on for sure. That June 27th win against Chicago. Um, the other one I'm, I am going to call out was actually their win against Las Vegas way back on May 23rd. It was, uh, they were undefeated 
at that point in time, having picked up wins against Connecticut or excuse me, against Atlanta, Phoenix, Indiana, Phoenix again. And so a four and oh, that's not that impressive. Everybody's like, yeah, you probably could have, should have beaten those teams. But when they came out and beat Las Vegas in Las Vegas, that's when all of a sudden I, they had my attention. They're five and oh with a win against the team that I had winning it all this year. Now you've got my attention. You know, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to listen. So that was probably the best performance that I saw this season as far as Connecticut goes. Logan, worst performance for you for this Connecticut team. <laughs> I feel like I'm, this one's I'm thinking, really I think easy. you and I probably have the same one on this one. It's, it might be the exact same thing. I'll tell you what, I'll let you take, I'll let you take the easy one. <laughs> I'll actually say at Seattle at the kind of at the top of the season, they started the season five and oh. They beat mm. Vegas. It looked like they were unstoppable. And then they dropped that game in overtime to Seattle that really could have solidified them as like the team in the league. Now we keep talking about it like like we've talked several times on this podcast. Oh, they're in the top three. Oh, John Quill Jones is an MVP candidate, but I don't know if she's above Bree. You know, I don't know. If they win that game, they probably start the season 7-0 and because they won the next one. They've got a win against Seattle in their pocket. You've got a John Quill versus Bree head-to-head where Jones ended up on top. Maybe it colors the season a little differently. Yeah. Um, and then and then you obviously have the stretch where um, John Quill's out for Euroball for like five games. And so you kind of have to separate that from the rest of the season. But I, I think that would have been a really big deal. And instead, now it's just kind of a muddy... Like, everybody's got a different ranking of the one, two, and three. And it would have been easily like, all right, Connecticut's number one until someone unseats them for a while. And they, you know, they never, they kind of missed that opportunity by, by losing that game. So that's, that's, that's what I'll say, but you're going to say the other the actual, one is when they lost to the Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be a top team. You can, like, I'm like title contender, MVP candidate losing to Indiana. <laughs> yes, you can though. Yes, you can. Because Seattle lost to Indiana last year. That's actually true. That's actually true. Indiana, that was their second win on the entire season and kicked off a three-game winning streak for the Fever. But that's just a bad loss. I'm sorry. You can't lose to a team like Indiana and have me still like be super jazzed about you especially like if it was like early in the season this was right before the break this is a tough one so there's there's my there's my worst performance uh (laughs) logan let's go ahead and take a look at who is your player highlight for connecticut i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get cute with it i think john quill jones has defined this season so far i know she's not necessarily everyone's number one pick for mvp but i think she has been the defining player in the first 20 games and even I know it kind of hurts her MVP case, but I think it's further emphasized by the time, like the way that she left and then came back. The fact that she had a really good all-star game performance and was tweeting about it afterwards, like people are still sleeping. Like, I think she's got plans for the second half of the season. We should all be very excited for her. Gosh, she's she's just if she hadn't missed those games, I think she would be more definitively in the lead. And instead, I think everybody's got an MVP candidate that can go toe to toe with her right now, stats wise. But I'm just so excited for the Sun to have a player. I, I know we all, even on this show, we all have disagreements about who we would trust on that team with the ball in in crunch time. But if I'm Kurt Miller and I, you know, I've spent the last couple of years wondering, like, what do I need to do to get this team from a deep playoff run to climbing the mountain and staking our claim as a title winner? 
the answer I don't think was off season acquisitions like it was for other teams. It was solidifying your big as being in that tier with Asia Wilson and Bree Stewart and Elena Deladon as, and even like Brittany Griner this year as like, we have that big that can take someone else out of the game and we can give her the ball when we need a bucket and she can step outside and she can hit threes. She's unguardable because she just do it from everywhere on the floor. And this is the year that has kind of like that John Quill Jones has put that all together and it has made Connecticut into like they've taken it from an interesting team to a true contender. And I really want to see that play out in the playoffs. And I really want them to get a buy so that they don't have to suffer any unfortunate accidents against teams that might be able to get them for a game. So <laughs> that's, that's my standout performance player for the first half of the season for sure. I like that. I think that's a, that's a really good call out. I, uh, another one that I want to make sure people know about is Brianna Jones. Brianna Jones is quietly becoming one of the better players in the league that nobody seems to talk about. Obviously she did just get a, an all-star bid and, and that's well-deserved. Um, we actually brought her up on a previous episode as a most improved player candidate where people kind of don't realize her big breakout season was in 2020 in the bubble. And, uh, and then she's just continued that two seasons ago, she was averaging three and a half points per game and getting eight minutes a game. Now she's up to 31 minutes a game and 15 points per game. So she's she's had a, a, a big surge forward, and I think that she's a big reason why the Connecticut Sun are doing as well as they are even without Alyssa Thomas. So that's probably where I, I got to make sure I give a big shout-out to Brianna Jones um, in that category there. Logan, let's wrap up uh, our, our discussions here. We got to give a, uh, a mid-season grade to our final team of this episode. Where you got Connecticut in your grade book here? Oh, boy. I, I didn't want to do this, but I think I have to give them an A, or at least an A, yeah, an a, like an A minus. I, I was thinking B plus, but then I thought, if you can't give Connecticut an A, who can you? Right? Like, <laughs> like they're doing, they're overperforming expectations. They, they handled their star being out for a couple of games with ease. They're well coached. They look good. I think an A minus, it's, it's like a 91% A minus where you're like, like if you're the professor, you're like, don't screw around now. Like you still got to come to class and take the final. But yeah, you're in good shape. That's that's about where I've got them. I've got an an A minus as well. Um, I expect that, that. Here's the thing: they're sitting in an A minus because they had a they had a, a a tough beginning of the season. They played some of the better teams in the league in that first half. They've really only got. Las Vegas, you know, a game or two against Las Vegas in the second half of the season that's that looks like their biggest challenge. And they've got an MVP candidate. I, I really think that uh, this is an A minus that it's like, all right, I'm giving you an A minus right now. Just so you know, there's room for improvement. You still have some work to do. Would you trust them in a series against Chicago, a five game series? I think that's a close I think that's a close series, but I probably would. Yeah, at this point. I think they've they've looked better. Would you trust them in a series against Vegas? Probably not. Not Vegas, and then against Seattle. Also, probably not. Okay, so that's about yeah, that's about where we all have them because I think it's like well, they're in the top three, but I, you know, I need to I need to see that they can beat those other teams in the top. Three. Yeah, I think I I give them the slight edge against teams like Chicago and Minnesota, and a slight disadvantage. I think they're where they are in the standings is perfect. 
I think they're slated exactly where they should be in the standings. Chicago's trending up. So Chicago and Minnesota both are trending up, even mm-hmm. though they're below in the standings. So I, I hesitate on each of those. But yeah, I, I probably would still just slightly give the edge to Connecticut in each yeah. of those matchups. Uh, a Connecticut-Minnesota Lynx five-game series would maybe kill me. Yeah. Because it, it would go to like four overtimes. <laughs> like each game would go to four overtimes. <laughs> they would play and it would end up it would end up it would end up one team sweeping the other but each game would go to four yeah, they overtimes would, they would play and, the equivalent of like 10 like 10 quarters a night yeah and it would still end like three to one yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's that sounds accurate uh logan that was a blast chatting it up a little bit about atlanta chicago and connecticut if you uh want to give us your opinion as far as uh, where you would grade each of these teams, make sure you hit us up on Twitter. That's probably the best way to get in contact with us. You can find us on Twitter at WNBA Nation Pod and give us your grades for each of these three teams. We want to hear from you. Tell us where we, what we got right, what we got wrong. We'd love to, we'd love to hear some feedback that way. Outside of Twitter, Twitch is an absolute blast for you to come and be a part. We've got several people here that, as as Logan and I have been going back and forth while the other person's making their their case, I like to listen but also read what chat's saying about each of these teams, and that's been a lot of fun. If you haven't come over to hang out with us in Twitch yet, just dip your toe in. Come on in. It's going to be fine. You're going to have a fun time. It's yeah. So Twitch is a blast. Uh, seriously, come hang out with us over here, and we'll uh, we'll plan on on seeing a few other places. One other place that we enjoy quite a bit is our store envy page. If you want to pick up some merch, go ahead over to wmbanation.storeenvy.com and you can check out some merch there. We've got some fun shirts, uh, mugs, socks, all of the above uh, that you can that you can you can uh, purchase there for and and what, what send a little need? love our way. What yeah. more do you need? If you had a shirt, a hoodie, socks and a mug, that's a great that's a Monday afternoon according to Logan. That's just that's just <laughs> All right. You're not wrong. <laughs> I didn't say it was a bad. I'm jealous. That's not my Monday afternoons usually. I I wish it was. That's that's Monday afternoon goals right there. <laughs> but uh much love to to every one of you who who hang out and and listen and uh interact with us. We just absolutely love the WNBA and uh all of the WNBA family that we get to interact with. For WNBA Nation, I'm Kyle Haywood. I'm Logan Jones. We got you next time. <laughs>